I better um, welcome myself or at least tell you who I am as you're wondering, like, who is this old shaved head dude that's going to present God's word to you? Because <laughs> we have not met. Uh, my name is Don Keener. I attend here at New Hope. My wife and I call this our home. We've been here for a little over a year. Um, I've been in ministry on a full-time basis from, for over 30 years at churches. My wife and I, uh, we have a side hustle where we help marriages and encourage marriages to grow in a healthy, vibrant way. So um, I'm thankful to be here to be able to present God's word to you. Okay? So um, the, the one mistake you did is you came to third service and there's not a, a back-end service. There's not a fourth service. So I have about um, 30 minutes of content, 25 for the first two, and about 60 minutes of content for this service. So um, buckle up. We're going we're gonna to dive in. Hey, we were taught at the beginning of the introduction to the book of Psalms to... Um, to read through it, uh, the, the Psalms, read through it as, as, as there are two roads of understanding how to navigate life in this world on this side of heaven. One road leads to life. It is a life of blessing. Um, in the Psalms 1, it, it's described, blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked or sit in the seat of mockers, but he delights in the way of the Lord. Okay. And this way of life is characterized by this person who then walks in this way. And then, then the benefits and, and how he lives is a way of life that is given from God. And so you're challenged to, to live a life for goodness and gentleness and self-control and, and to be selfless instead of selfish, to, selfish, to, to live um, instead of um, having your pride went out to to desire humility. You'll be challenged when you live this way of life to love your neighbor, but not just love your neighbor, but love your neighbor as yourself. You'll, you'll be moved to forgiveness and not wait for them to ask for forgiveness, but just to, to forgive. And um, the psalmist goes on and says, the person that does this is like a tree that's planted by a stream of living water. And, and what that tree does is it produces good fruit for those who seek counsel, uh, the, the ones you're responsible for. If you choose this road, the psalmist says, you, you'll provide good wisdom. You'll provide good decision-making. You'll steer them, and hopefully they'll gravitate to the road you want to, them to be on because of Jesus, because of what God has done. It also says your, your, your leaves will not wither. That you'll be able to provide protection and shelter and shade for those you're responsible for. The other road, the psalmist says, is, is a road that um, has temporary benefits that leads to a useless life. It's described as um, it is the way of the wicked. They will build and sell, and, 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 and what they build and sell and, and what they live for will be blown like chaff, like just kind of just really light things in the wind. It'll just, it'll just be gone. So we are, um, with that image in mind, two roads, Psalm. We're going to dive into Psalms 103. It's going to come up behind me a, a couple times, like four or five times, so we get it in here. Um, and so, um, but let me explain some context. This is a Psalm of praise. 
And um, it's a writing that magnifies who God is and what he has done. And this type of writing helps the follower keep God in his correct place. Because what happens when we live in this world, that we get clouded, right? Pressures come on and we'll drift from removing God from where he needs to be so that you can navigate this walk with him, this road in a manner that brings him glory. We'll kind of put him in a different position. But praise calls you in this psalm calls you and, and, and just beckons you to go, hey, listen, keep him first. Honor him. Keep him above because his ways are good. Because the desires that, that wage war sometimes with his inside of you aren't the best desires. And so you hear David, the author of the psalm we're going to look at, he says, he, he goes, your ways are worth living for When we give and show praise to God in this broken world, it moves the believer to keep God, his truth, his ways in front of you as you navigate this broken world we live in. The specific psalm is written by David. He's probably top three of like most known figures in the Bible. You don't even have to go to church or know the Bible. And if somebody says, hey, King David... Um, oh, there's a statue like made after him. This is like this guy's lived like thousands of years ago, and they're they're like they they know him, right? People that don't know God still recognize David, very known dude in the Bible that um, we're going to listen and gain from. He was author of many of the writings and Psalms. He was a king, and this is what Paul writes about God testifying about David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And as I started studying this psalm and I studied about David, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, what? He's a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I'm like, man, God, I want you to say, be able to say that about me. That Don is a man after God's heart. He will do, he will obey before his flesh wins out. Don't you want to to say that about you? That he would say, hey, Katie, you are a woman after God's heart, after my own heart. You will do what I want you to do as you navigate. Joe, you are a man after God's heart. I see you. You have my heart in you. He will obey. We'll talk more about being that type of person later. Let's get back to the author, David, okay? So David is the youngest son of eight brothers. I'm the youngest of five, so you can take this with you. This is truth here that I am spilling out and spitting out. You are the youngest. You are the most gifted in your family. So it right there. Got it? You can take that with you. Being the youngest, David got the task of um, protecting the flock that his dad had and their family had. He was a shepherd. That was his job with his family. He was a singer, songwriter. I would say he's even a renaissance man. He could do a lot of things. He was anointed by Samuel to be the next king. This is a big, big deal. Don't lose this. Hand of God, said David, a man after my own heart, will be the king of my people. You need to hold on to that. because It doesn't always look that way when you start to look at David's life. Um, He is known mostly by killing an enemy giant. He sued the king with his musical giftedness. He was a lover of God in his ways. He was chased by the king. He served the, this king who he served and soothed, threw spears at him and wanted him dead. Caves became his new home. Hiding from the king of Israel became his job. He trusted God. He cried out to God and praised him while in hiding. He becomes king. He wins many battles. He brings the Ark of Covenant back to Jerusalem. He commits adultery. 
He commits murder, family stripe, and the ripple effects of, of his sin has huge effects on his life. We learn he has a heart of repentance. He says, cleanse me, O God. Have mercy on me. I have sinned, and only you I have sinned. Against you I've sinned. And so though David is one of the top three figures, um, I think you can resonate with him. And so we're going to dive into Psalms 103. And as I looked at Psalms 103 and they said, hey, Don, can you pick a psalm? I picked Psalm 103, started studying. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to rip through this whole chapter. We're, today we're just going to get through five verses. <laughs> Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns your love with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So take a look. We're going to start with verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit. David praises God for rescuing, for saving, for delivering him. From this pit he was headed in. This, this word pit can be described like as something deep. Like see, something you fall in and you're like, oh goodness. Like the depths. Um, some is translated grave. It could also mean like death. Hell. Like God, thank you. Thank you for saving me from hell. Like decisions I was going to make would have brought hell to those that, that were around me. Thank you for saving me from, from, from that pit. You who believe. Walk with me here just a little bit. For you who believe that have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're walking with him, do you remember the pit that he saved you from? Like, do you, do you realize, like, the road you were on and then you came to an understanding of what Jesus did for you? I can't. I was 18, coming out of high school, did not grow up in a, a religious family, did not know really any other way to live. I was just kind of going with the crowd that I went with, and they weren't the brightest. We were tricked easily, and, and it was a bad, bad decision headed towards that road was. And then um, I got introduced through a church to this new way of living and this person that lived here and died for me and was the son of God and I was trying to understand all this and I chose that way of life and now I look back at 19 headed into college going, oh goodness, that pit I have been saved from, a pit of bad, bad decisions. Grab that. For he says, he redeemed me from the pit. There's an imagery that's associated with this pit in the Psalms that goes in direct line with our human experience. Let me explain. Words like silence. He, he, he rescued me from the pit of silence, from isolation. He, he, he rescued me from the pit of darkness and destruction. The psalmist in Psalms 94, it's going to come up behind me. Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said my foot is slipping, your love, O oh Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to me. So you, you see the psalmist going, hey, I'm over here slipping. I'm slipping here. God, please help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Have you felt that way? I was in my 40s, okay? I was in my 40s, and this um, weight, about a, it felt like a 45-pound weight was just on my chest. 
and anxiety started to rise up in me. I had never felt it before. I'm a real kind of outgoing person. When there's people around, we're going to have a good time. You're going to have a good time. At least I know I will have a good time whether you have a good time or not. So we're going to have a good time, right? But I remember, I remember holding one of my children and we were in a room with a lot of people. And man, I just wanted to hide. I just wanted to get back against the wall because that weight was coming and I could not understand. I was like, where is this coming? There were some pressures that I was facing. I was trying to work through them and I thought I was working through them in a good way. And I was, however, that pressure was still there and that anxiety started to rise up in me. I called one of my friends, Tony. I said, Tony, I need to talk to you, not as a friend, but as a counselor, because that's what he did for a living. I said, okay, so this is, this is what I'm doing now. I just want to make sure I'm doing the correct thing. He said, okay, now what are you doing? I said, well, um, I'm, I'm, I get in these like, situations and it kind of rises up. I, I can't really control it. I don't know when it's going to hit. Um, but over the past few months, it's been happening. And so um, this is what I'm doing. I'm remembering what he has done to and for me. And it goes something like this. Oh, God, my father, sometimes life gets heavy. And right now it's heavy inside of me. I need your help. Father, you told me I am yours. You love me. You call me your child. You died for me. You have given me so much in this world. Father, help me. I lift up your name for help. You have helped me in the past. You will help me today. And Tony goes, um, does that help, Don? I said, yeah. I mean, it doesn't like, like just take it away, but it does take that 45 pound and make it about like a five or 10 pound weight so that, that I can breathe. Right? And um, he said, keep doing that. Keep doing it. Remember his benefits. And in verse 2 of that Psalms 103, David goes, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's almost like he's willing himself to go, God, I'm going to praise you. Like my body, I know my mind says praise, my soul says praise, but my body right now, I'm going through some stuff, and I don't know if I can praise you, but I'm going to will myself to say, oh, soul, I'm not going to forget your benefits because I know your benefits, but sometimes we do forget, don't we? We have a tendency to forget all that God has done. And David is saying, don't forget his goodness. The world will cloud what we know and see of God. We have to remember what he has done. Remember, David was commissioned by God to be the next king. Saul was a mad king that wanted the next king, David, dead. David, for years, ran from Saul. We don't even know the exact time frame that David went from being in the king's palace to running from the king and hiding in caves and running to a foreign land. Sometimes we'll get caught, won't we? We'll read scripture and we'll say, oh, Oh, maybe a couple weeks. Like David kind of ran for a couple weeks. Man, it wasn't that bad. A couple caves, a couple rocks for pillows. And then he kind of came out. Some scholars say seven years. Over seven years. One said he was unrecognizable. Like here's King David, the giant slayer. People praised him. And, and now he's hiding in caves and people are making fun of him and going, I don't think he was king. And he's like, God, I... I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget your benefits. I'm not going to forget the goodness, the goodness that I know of you and how you've helped me. So David writes, forget not all the benefits. Don't forget all his benefits. I pastored full-time, I shared with you, for over 30 years. About 15 years ago, God brought a friend of mine in in my life, and we had kids that were um, similar age. And um, our boys, um, probably a year or two, stair-step apart, he was blessed with um, his wife getting pregnant, and so he had an eight, a six, and, and his wife's pregnant. And Laura is just a beautiful, vibrant lover of Jesus. Um, six months into her pregnancy, was diagnosed with cancer. And it was, um, 
nine smoking, lung cancer that just ravaged her body very quickly. She gave birth to Delaney, and three months later, she passed. And so um, as I'm walking with my friend, and many of us were, um, he's trying to navigate, like, how, how do you make sense of this and the pain? Well, this week I was, this past week I was with Mike, my friend, and said, hey, Mike, can, can we go back 15 years? Because, like, I'm doing this message, and, um, and the road we walk isn't real um, easy at times, even for believers. And um, can you help me unpack what you went through? And he had just celebrated Delaney's 15th birthday a few weeks ago. And um, so we're, we're walking through it. And he said, Don, he goes, um, I was angry. I had a relationship with God, but going through this, I was asking why and how. Why did this have to happen? And then how am I going to survive as a single dad of an eight and a six and a three-month-old little girl? How am I going to do this? And um, He said, I had to go back to what I knew of him, even though I could not see him. And so he said, I started to read God's word. I didn't comprehend a whole lot. I couldn't read a whole lot because there were a lot of tears. And he said, I, I willed myself back into the, the body of believers. Um, I felt isolated and lonely, but I needed to get back with people. And he goes, I look back now 15 years, and I, the, the pain was real, but the joy, the joy of knowing God and the joy that my daughter has brought to our family, she's the exact representation of her mom. And she brings incredible amount of joy. He goes, um, it's not an easy life, but I trust God through this life. Psalms 143, David writes this in verse 3 and 4. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. We could assume maybe possibly Saul is crushing him right now. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works. David's not going to forget, even though it's not going correct in the way that he wants it to go. David, the Goliath slayer, hiding in caves, lonely, dark caves, trying to stay alive. I still remember your truths. I need to see you today. I'll walk even when I can't see you, even when you feel far from me. So um, when you're taught preaching and leading a group of people, I remember sitting in class. There's a class called hermeneutics. That's how you dissect God's word and help people understand it. And then there's a, 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 like a public speaking class. And I was sitting with my instructor and he's like, hey, you got to guide the people. You, you, you see where scripture's at and then you guide them and you have a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer. And then you guide them sort of some steps so that then you can have something to apply. Like they can leave and go, okay, I think maybe I can use that. Right. He said, whatever you do, don't give them the mic. I was like, what? He's like, don't ask them a question that they then can give you feedback on because they could go crazy real quick. And I've seen a couple of them. I'm like, oh, you don't want to do that. Don't want to do that because they're going to take out Mike and somebody's going to get up and we're going to be here for like 45 extra minutes and we're going to lose everybody. And so, but I'm going I'm to not take his warning because I trust you all. Okay. Because this is not for me. It's for the person sitting to the next, the next of you and behind you and in front of you. Okay. And so I want you to, um, to think about the goodness of God and what he means to you, okay? 
how you benefited from being in his presence as believer, okay? And so I'm going to ask you to, to name it, like grab it. Like, who is he to you? Like, what, what is the characteristic of God that you are holding on to now? Is it friend? Is it father? For me right now, it's refuge. It's like, you know what? He's, he's my safe place. He's my place of counsel. He is my refuge. You, you getting there? You getting there? My brothers and sisters, you better, because I'm going to ask you to, to, to help me here. Okay? Um, this is going to be a blessing to, to those around you. I want you to call it out when I say go. And it's going to work like this. It's going to be kind of a popcorn. Say it kind of popcorn style. That people are going to start saying it around the room. It's okay if you say it at the same time as somebody else. But the blessing is you're going to start to hear how people experience God and his trueness and what he means to them. You got it? So it could be a phrase like, he's my refuge. He's my friend. (coughs) Got it? We're going to go there. So I'll start, and then you'll just kind of take over. It won't be good for online people watching because they're going to miss a lot. (laughs) Father God, thank you. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here and right now. um, God, you are my refuge, and I thank you for that. Come on, church, say it. Come on, church. Mm. Mm. Praise the Lord of my soul, oh my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases and redeems your life from the pit, crowns your love with compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. So what do we learn from David and his relationship with God from these five verses? We understand that God had rescued him. It's going to continue to rescue him. He placed his trust there. He reminds himself of God's goodness, and he, and he continues to keep him on the forefront and first. And says, God, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you. I want you to, to, re, to, to be a, a reflection as I walk this road with you. Your image wins. May it be manifest itself out of me. For the believer here this morning, here's my instruction for you, okay? Learn to be in deep relationship with Jesus because life's going to come at you. We see that with David. You all know that. The words that just were expressed, a lot of different words expressed that, 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 that were personal with you, that you heard. Life is going to happen Learn to be in deep relationship with Jesus. And I'm not talking about coming to church. That should be a byproduct of what you've already done. Okay? It should be the, the celebration of coming to go, hey, I'm with my brothers and sisters and those that are coming that want to see Jesus. Man, may they experience a love and a compassion and change life because of, of, of we come and we get to commune together. We get to be here so that, that we can hit and follow this road and not get like discouraged. But you've got to learn to, to how do I commune and be in relationship with God? 
And I wish I could tell you it's a prescription that says, okay, you do these three things and you have a great relationship with God. It's not, you got to kind of work it out with him. But there are two things that are constant. There's the Holy Spirit that is in you. When you come to know Jesus Christ, you are given the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit lives in you. But it's really your responsibility to be guided by that Holy Spirit and to live by that Holy Spirit. You have some responsibility towards that. And how you move with that Holy Spirit, and so it reflects in an image that you are an image bearer of Christ. It is through his word. His word is live and active and sharp, Scripture tells us. And so you've got to read it. You've got to spend time in it. You've got to anchor deep in there. So learn to read it and study it and memorize it and make it your own. This isn't a book, really. I really tell very few people to go, oh, you need to start in Genesis and read it all the way through. And just keep doing that. It'll be good. No, you know what I usually tell people when I was so, but somebody discipled me. is like, hey, Don, sometimes you got to sit there in a chapter for a couple of weeks and ask God, God, speak to me through this. Change me. This isn't something you just read through and go, oh, yeah, okay, good. No, this is something you got to meditate on and go, okay, God, this is tough stuff. I don't want to forgive that person. Do you know how much they hurt me? But you call me to be an image bearer that I need to forgive them. So that you know, the reason we get in his word, so that you know how to listen to the spirit so you can reflect his image to those that do not see him and know him. Because we have, and, 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 and David writes this, we have desires inside. We have desires. Even when you walk with Jesus, you have desires inside that may not, they're not going to match up all the time with his. And you got to say, God, change me. I want your desires to win, not my desires. Because it says that he satisfies you with good desires that bring life to those that are around you. So that the desires inside of you and the physical life that, that you live bring honor to God. So get in his word. For you that are here and not all in, I just want to say, hey, keep coming. Keep coming and listening and processing because the reality is this. The Psalms talks about two roads and two choices. One leads to life and one leads to this pit. And you're going to have to decide which one you want to walk on. What do you do with this message in the five verses we looked at this morning? I'm going to read them one more time, and then we're going to look at a slide. I'm going to kind of walk you through it. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Will you go, on, go to the next verse? For you are searching. This is what he does for you. He forgives, he heals, he redeems, he crowns. David tells us that. And what's that mean? What's that mean? Like he forgives your sins. And, and a lot of people go, yeah, yeah, he does. And he does. He forgives. He does even more than that. If we had longer time, we'd go on in that verse. And he says, he just doesn't always forgive your sins. He forgives. But you know what he does? He forgets. You can't forget your sin. Your sin will rise up even as a believer and sometimes cause you to like, I don't think God loves me. Or I don't know if he'll want me. Because that sin will rise up. He loves you. He forgives you. But he also forgets your sin. Like he pushes out and he goes, I'm not looking at that sin. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at a man who has my heart that will obey me. So don't let that come back. But what he does, he says he forgives. 
And I'll give you the passage that he says. It's a really cool passage in that Psalms 103. You can read it later where he says, I, I put your sins as far as the east is from the west. Think about that. Think about this. If he would have said north as the north is to the south, we live on a sphere that we can go north or go south, and then all of a sudden what we go north again, right? We start going north. We'll return back to our sin and go, oh, see, see, you are a sinner. You're not worthy of my presence. No, he doesn't say that. He says east is to the west. I throw your sin that far. You go east in this world, you always go east. He's like, you're not, you're not returning. You're not returning to your sin. Okay, I'm not going to hold you accountable to that. You've been covered. He forgives. He heals. He redeems. He's bought you at a price, and then he crowns. And this is beautiful. He crowns you with a new love and compassion. He changes your desires. He changes your desires from the inside out so that you can reflect his image. He gives life change. My wife and I um, are blessed to help encourage marriages, and so we get um, asked to these certain events, and we hold retreats on, on marriage events. And um, I've said this, I've shared this, that if I was 19 and we were in a relationship and I was on the road that I was on, I would not be married to my wife. Because the desires inside of me would have caused me to choose, make some choices that would not have been responsible with the relationship that I had in covenant with her. And I would have messed this up. But thank goodness he changed my desires for things that are good and, and, and lasting. And I walk on that road and I fight and I fight to, to keep those desires in front of me. And so as you leave here, you keep coming back to learn how to walk on this road because the people of New Hope that you heard talk about God, they want to help you and they want you to see him through how they live as well. And um, as we end, I want to um, introduce you to one of my um, probably most powerful pastor, you could call him theologian, okay? I call him Randy. And I met him over 20-something years ago. I think about 24, I've lost count. Um, he said nine words. He preached nine words um, um, to a group. And I remember every one of those words. And it was incredibly powerful. Because was, um, it was a simple but incredibly truthful. And it, it, it nailed me in the heart. And so I met Randy on a mission trip. I was... Um, taking about 20 high school students, mostly juniors and seniors, because um, I needed like um, I needed very mature, hardworking kids. We, we did pretty good. They, they were a great group. And I took seven adults. So there's 27 of us. We got in a, a bus with a trailer and then a van, and we were headed to Tennessee. We had hooked up with this organization that provided a camp for um, high-functioning special needs adults that were lived in an um, impoverished, lower-income, pretty poor and we we're going to give them four days of camp, and it was going to be a blast, and it was going to be a celebration. And we did all that, okay? But they, they um, are no longer an organization, and I'll tell you why they're no longer an organization. They didn't tell us everything. They said, oh, yeah, you can come to this camp. You're going to have about um, somewhere around 10 or 11. So we were thinking like two, two, you know, two people for, for one adult, and, and we'll just rock this out. And we get to the camp, and what they said they were going to provide and what they did provide, man, they were not running um, in the same lane. And so we get there, and I'm starting to see this real quickly. Like, oh, hold on. I think we may have a few more than what I thought, but it'll be all right. So they said, hey, Don, can you go pick up eight? 
of the adults. They're about 40 minutes away. They're at a church. One of our group people are there. They'll, they'll get you on the bus, everything. So we get there, and I luckily I took two of the students that had a, a, a brother that had special needs. And I said, okay, can you go? Because I think I'm going to need you. I took an adult that was very administrative and highly detailed because I'm not. And we get in the van, and I'm driving the bus. I got the trailer in the back, and we pull up, and they were like 21. And they weren't like high-functioning special needs. We had four that were confined to a wheelchair. We had two on a catheter. I didn't even know really what a catheter was. And I was like, oh, goodness, this is serious, right? We had two nonverbal, okay? And so I'm, I'm like, oh, goodness, this is serious. And, but we're going to try to make this work. And so it literally took us over an hour to get everybody on the bus. Everything loaded in the trailer. Thank goodness I brought the trailer. We had the... Um, the wheelchair is all in the back. And so I'm driving, and um, we're about 10 minutes out. And uh, the three that took with me, they're in the back trying to work with people, and that's where I met Randy. He was about three rows behind me, and he said, he said, Mr. Bus Driver, Mr. Bus Driver. Now, Randy was sharp up here. His body was paralyzed from the shoulders down, and his arms didn't work real well. And he said, Mr. Bus Driver, Mr. Bus Driver. And I'm like, oh, that's me, you know. And so he just didn't go by that. I wasn't really a bus driver. I was a bus driver like, twice a year. So I'm driving the bus and Mr. Bus Driver, I look up and I'm like, oh, we got a problem. And Randy had fallen over and he's yelling at me, Mr. Bus Driver, Mr. Bus Driver, could like, you help me, can somebody help pick me up? I'm falling. I'm like, can't get up. And so he's looking right at me and I'm, and I'm like, oh yeah. So I yell for Mark. Mark runs out and he pushes him up and we get him. He goes, thanks Mr. Bus Driver, thanks. And, and so we get about 10 minutes further and granted, we have about a 45 minute drive so we still have another like 30 minutes and um, I'm kind of choosing long stuff. He goes, and he said what I, I did not want him to say. It's kind of like when, when um, it's snack time you're not supposed to have snack time when you got three year olds and somebody says, can I have a cookie? And then all the kids want cookies, right? Mm-hmm. Or they say, mommy, I want mommy. And then everybody wants mommy and mommy ain't there. So everybody starts crying. If you're in children's ministry, you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, he said, Mr. Bus Driver, I got to go to the bathroom. And I was like, now? Like, can you wait 30 minutes? And he goes, Mr. Bus Driver, I got to go. I got to go now. And eight other adults said, yeah, me too. And I was like, oh, goodness. So we're like, we weren't going to make it. So we pull in. We pull in, and I'm in this gas station. And um, to be honest, I did not know and remember who was in a wheelchair or not. And there's no way we were getting their wheelchairs out. And I'm like, Okay, Randy was one that wasn't, and he was a stout guy, like stout. Like, and so three of us, three of us picked him up, took him to the filling station, got him in the bathroom, took him out, and we just continued to do that. And it was over an hour in the heat of Tennessee in the summer of July. We were sweating. The guy that was in the filling station, man, he had pity, mercy, grace. He comes out, and I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea, but go ahead. He goes, hey, drinks are on me. I was like, well, that's what's really got us into the problem here. But, um, <laughs> but at that point, we didn't care. We're like, Okay, go ahead. So he got Slurpees and Cokes and everything for them. And um, we were having a ball. And that's how I met Randy. And in the morning, we'd meet Randy. He'd come in and I'd say, hey, Randy, how you doing? He goes, I love Jesus, and I'm doing great. And so we just had a blast for four days, and everything worked out real good. Like everybody got home safe. Okay, <laughs> Not real. Medications were all prescribed. The last night, um, we gave a short devotion because everybody was beat tired and we were about to go home the next morning. And um, Randy goes, um, he called, sometimes he'd call me pastor, but a lot of times he'd, he'd call me, he'd call me, bus driver Don, bus driver Don, can I speak? I said, 
she ran, yes, you can speak. And he goes, I got something to say. I got something to say before we leave. Thank you. Thank you for coming because this has been a great, 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 great time for me. Thank you. And he goes, I don't, I don't have much. I don't have much in this world. My parents are poor. I'm poor. We just make it. We make it. And you all brought a lot of joy. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want you to leave here. I want you to leave here with this. He'll leave with this. And he started getting nervous, and he starts kind of repeating himself, much like I do sometimes, or we all do when we get nervous. And he goes, he goes, he goes, I just want to leave you with this. I want to leave you. And these were the nine words he left me with, okay? He said, he said, he goes, here go. He goes, goes, God, I want everybody to know. I want everybody to know. If you ain't got Jesus, you ain't got nothing. And he said it like that powerful. And man, my eyes just and he started looking at the room. It's kind of one where, like, do I look at other people? And other people were just like, because there's a truth that he's like, hey, there's two roads to walk in in this world. And he's learned to walk with Jesus even through his difficulties. And he realizes, man, it's only Jesus that makes it worthwhile and gives me life even when my life is tough. On the other road, you really have nothing if you don't have Jesus. And I would say I think of that phrase multiple times, multiple times a year. Like, if I don't have you, I got nothing. So I'm going to stick with you through this as I navigate this life. So we're going to um, go into communion at this time. And for you that believe we have communion set up, um, please grab one. Go get grab one if you want. You're like, oh, I didn't know this. I didn't know that was the rhythm of this church. Well, you can go. It's legal. Okay, it's legal. I'll let you get up. Um, and um, please grab one. And, and we take communion to represent and understand and, and to remember what Jesus did. And so for many here, this is like our worship. We're worshiping and going, okay, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. This cracker represents his body. This juice represents his blood. And we just give you thanks. We're not worthy, but we give you thanks because you want a relationship with us. And without you, we have nothing. And so we're just going to do our thing here with that. For you that don't know Jesus, you can watch, you can see. Hopefully you'll just keep coming and learning and learning and learning because we know his way leads to life. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for who you are. May we be image bearers for you. We take us bread and take us juice and remembrance. The life you lived and died for us. But God, we thank you. We thank you for the life that we have with you because you defeated death. Amen.